0: Now, fight back with Libby Snymer on Zuba Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: It's being called an historic vote. Last night's passage of the Cannabis Act in the Senate. As you heard in Bob's news there, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will outline this afternoon at 4.30 when recreational marijuana will become legal in Canada. The date is expected to be in early to mid-September, allowing the provinces and territories to figure out how to retail marijuana in accordance with the new rules. So what does legalized marijuana mean to you? Do you agree with the legislation? Are you quietly celebrating? Maybe you've smoked marijuana on the sly and and have been nervous to admit it because it is illegal until it becomes legal in September. Do you have concerns about this Cannabis Act? And if so, what are they? Or are you indifferent to the news? 416 360 0740 or toll free 1 866 740 Joining me on the phone is marijuana advocate, affectionately known as the Prince of Pot, Mark Emery. Hi, Mark. Hey, good morning. And Will Stewart is in studio with me. He's the Vice President of Corporate Communications and Public Affairs with Haiku Brands, sellers of cannabis products. Welcome, Will.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: I'll turn on your mic. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mark, we'll start with you. Other than receiving royal assent as a formality, uh, the legislation is a done deal. And we all know you that you've been through decades fighting for this to happen. You've been to prison during your fight to legalize marijuana. What is your initial reaction?
3: Well, I've been following this, of course, since the Trudeau government was elected uh, two and a half years ago. And I'd love marijuana to be legal. i worked all my life for it, but this isn't it. This is just a new form of prohibition. Uh, The Cannabis Act is like hundreds of pages of rules, regulations, and restrictions that essentially punish us, uh, all Canadians, who don't obey these very tight regulations that the government's done. So I don't think of it as legalization. I think of it as a sham and a fraud. Now, I'm in a minority there, but nonetheless, it's not something that I am happy to see happen.
1: Explain for us and our Zoomer radio listeners what you mean by that when you say, because for most people, uh, it feels like we are free to smoke marijuana as soon as it is legal. We can will be able to purchase it. Um, we will be able to grow it at home. And yet you're saying that the prohibition continues.
3: Well, let me just say what legalization should be. And that is um, an acknowledgement that the current industry, like everybody who's growing it, selling it, consuming it, and that's millions of Canadians, by the way, um, and who it would be currently illegal to do any of it in the, under the current law, it would become legal to do so. Everyone would simply pay their taxes, obey all other rules and regulations, but they would be free to go about regarding marijuana as a completely legal substance um, to trade, to consume, and to distribute. And that's not what we have. We, we have restrictions on who can distribute it. And largely, the government is the monopoly provider. The government has taken our culture, of which I, for example, have spent 39 prisons and jails in, uh, and they are taking it, and they are trying to control it um, at the retail level, at its cultural level, at its producer price level. They want to dictate the terms on anything to do with our culture, and they're not qualified to do so. They don't have any moral right to do. So this has been our enemy for 50 years, rounding up 2.5 million Canadians, charging them with offenses, putting them in jail in many cases like I've gone to. And now they want to be our provider, our cultural just, you know, uh, touchstone. And for all these reasons and so many more, it's just not legalization. There's so many ways you can get arrested under the current new laws um, that it's clearly not legalization. There should be no punishments involved if it's legal.
1: You're talking Um, about the owners of private dispensaries, that they potentially could be breaking the law once it becomes legal.
3: Well, you can't even share marijuana with someone under this new law if it didn't come from a government store. Uh, All your marijuana has to come from a government store. Otherwise, it's considered illicit cannabis. And it's still an offense. I mean, there's some shockingly long offenses. For example, if you share a joint with a young person under 19, um, it could be up to 14 years in prison. It's ridiculous that there's such a law, such a punishment still exists under this new law when we're talking the word legalization. 416-3600-740,
1: toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Your reaction to the cannabis legislation, uh, meaning that we will likely, by early to mid-September, be able to purchase marijuana in a legal situation, in a store. Uh, And and that brings us to the next part of the conversation. And uh, Will Stewart, again, to reintroduce you, VP of Corporate Communications and Public Affairs with Haiku Brands sellers of cannabis products. Uh, The way that cannabis is going to be sold will be very much dependent on how the individual provinces and territories decide to do that.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, before I get into a a more robust answer, I just wanted to say that, you know, the entire industry, the the legal industry, and I I, uh, appreciate Mark's comments on this, but the industry that we're moving into, the industry that we have in Canada now owes a huge debt of gratitude to people like Mark Emery and other uh, people who engage in Civil disobedience and the cannabis movement over the last number of decades, we would not be here if it was not for people like Mark Emery and and others. So it's a it's an honor, Mark, to be on the show with you uh, with you today. Um, well, we, thank you for saying. Yeah, of course. We are. Um, we are moving into a, a more relaxed environment for for cannabis sales. Uh, those cannabis sales uh, vary by province. Um, you know, so in some provinces, five of ten provinces, you will have government monopolies that run uh, the uh, the cannabis stores. In Ontario, here in Ontario, you will of course have the government-run monopoly through the LCBO, uh, where licensed producers can grow their product, sell their product into the government uh, system, and it will be retailed to uh, to people who choose to consume it. In the other five provinces, though, there there's different models of private sector storefronts and that's really where Haiku is focused at this point in terms of opening 20 to 30 cannabis dispensing stores uh, in provinces across uh, across Canada and by today's standards I mean it will change today's standards make that would make us the largest cannabis dispensing chain of retail storefronts in the world uh,
1: how are you selling right now what are you selling and how are you selling up until uh, cannabis is officially legalized
2: yep. so we have about seven uh, coffee shops across Canada. Right Right now, primarily in Toronto uh, under our retail brand Tokyo Smoke, and in the Okanagan Valley under our uh, ACMPR, our our licensed producer name of Doja Cafes. Um, Those storefronts primarily serve as brand billboards for us. We've been building the brand of recreational cannabis under Tokyo Smoke for about three years. Currently, those stores sell coffee and high end paraphernalia. We think that there will be some brand halo or some brand affinity that we've developed over the last number of years. We've had hundreds of thousands of people through our stores already. When you go to a government-run store, you'll be able to find our actual cannabis products and actual cannabis paraphernalia there. But those coffee shops, of course, in Ontario will not be able to retail cannabis. Having said that, we will have Tokyo smoke stores in those five provinces where legal that will be cannabis dispensing storefronts.
1: Now, uh, what we're discussing here um, was the way the future with legalized cannabis would be under the win Liberal government. And as we all know, the Doug Ford Progressive Conservative government is coming in. And Doug Ford mused during the election campaign that there may be some private sales combined with public sales. Is that something you see happening? Are those conversations taking place?
2: No, I don't know if the conversations are taking place. It's early days yet. The transition team is still there for another couple of weeks until Doug Ford is officially sworn in as premier and the ministers are, are set. We do, though, think that there is an opportunity for us to discuss this issue with the new progressive conservative government, given their affinity for private sector delivery of some of some services, in particular, based on those comments that uh, Premier-designate uh, Rob Ford made during the campaign. Doug that Ford. Sorry, yes. Doug yeah, Ford. <laughs> that might be a um, uh, an open door for us to at least begin a conversation. We see in British Columbia, for example, they have a hybrid model, where they have a government warehouse that people sell their products into. The government then has their own stores but the government is also open to private sector stores. So I think a similar model could be followed in Ontario, where you have the LCBO as the wholesaler buying product from the licensed producers. You can still have the existing Ontario cannabis stores that have been created uh, or are about to be created, but allow some private sector involvement in that retail as well. We think at the end of the day, those different types of stores will speak to different types of customers, and customers will have a friendlier environment, a more comfortable environment to learn, explore, or, or uh, chat a little bit about. Uh, About the product for those who are cannabis curious.
1: Uh, Mark, what about you uh, and the comments that Doug Ford has made about possibly having some private uh, selling of marijuana? Is his view more in line with what you see ultimately happening?
3: Well, I don't really know what his view is. In fact, Doug Ford is actually against the legalization of marijuana, but he was musing that if it was going to be legal, it perhaps should have uh, some free market elements to it. Uh, All of which would be wonderful, I suppose, but it's going to take I would think, years for Doug Ford to convince his own party that cannabis should have a free market delivery system. Um, Generally, conservatives are in favor of the free market, but they're also very... I don't know, paternal and uh, kind of like your substitute parents a lot of the time. So they also want to put restrictions on it so we don't go crazy with marijuana. Most conservatives are opposed to it at the federal and provincial level. So there, there's a lot of opposition within government to actually this uh, any kind of laissez-faire system. And that's what I believe in because we've had... Uh, the marketplace operating for 50 years, providing Canadians with marijuana. Millions of Canadians currently get their marijuana from sources they're happy with that happen to be illegal. The whole point of legalization was to make everybody growing and selling it and consuming it now, which everyone's illegal, uh, into legal consumers. And that's not what's happened. What the, the industry has been legalized, and the government has largely taken it over. And it's unsustainable the way it's been proposed. The government will get all the money. uh, They will control all the rules. They will be the only people making any money. And consequently, they'll still be putting in jail and arresting anybody who sells it, who's possessing it government-approved marijuana uh, that's growing it, uh, more than four plants. And of course, everybody grows more than four plants. Nobody just grows four plants.
1: Well, Mark, um, though, though is it, isn't it it too much to expect uh, when we don't have our alcohol sold in this way in corner stores or by somebody who decides to set up shop? We sell our alcohol or we receive and buy our alcohol through government-run stores right across the country. So wouldn't it make sense that the marijuana market would at least begin in the same way
3: no alcohol will kill you no one has ever died from marijuana marijuana is one of the most safest substances on earth for people of any age and all ages and both sexes so there should never be a comparison between cannabis and alcohol and that's one of the many problems we have is that the government regards marijuana as plutonium Marijuana is very, very safe. Cannabis has no le- lethal dosage rate. Um, there are very few instances of people causing themselves any permanent harm, even though hundreds of millions of people around the world consume cannabis regularly. So the whole idea that we should treat marijuana like alcohol is wrong from the premise. Coffee would be a more accurate way to compare. It, but even then, coffee is more substantially hazardous than marijuana is, and we don't have any age limits on can't own coffee and consumption rules. You can buy as much coffee as you want. You can buy it from anywhere. You can import it. You can trade it, sell it, do whatever you want. As largely you can do it with alcohol, you can actually make your own wine, make your own beer, and all these sort of things. And so these things are available to people, even though alcohol kills people every day, prescription drugs kill people every day. There's so many hazardous substances that require far less. Permission and, and far less rules to, to distribute than cannabis is going to.
1: All right, let's go to the phones. So we've got a full bank of lines here that are occupied by Zoomer radio listeners who want to get in on the conversation. Let's go to Helena in Richmond Hill. Your thoughts on the cannabis bill now legalized. You'll have to turn your radio down. Helena, turn your radio down and, and give us your take. You'll have to turn your radio down. It's Okay. okay. I'm just going to turn it down right now. All right. We're waiting well, for I you. i like to say um,
4: that I don't believe in legalizing marijuana. It's a drug. It causes hallucinations. And for people that are very susceptible to mental illness, it can cause
1: an addiction, a very severe addiction. It causes hallucinations. It affects the brain. Are you coming <laughs> at this with a medical background? Do not affect the brain. Helena, are Do you coming at this? They from... destroy the body. I appreciate
4: They destroy the, lungs. They destroy the bronchial tubes. But um, marijuana is a substance that affects your cognitive thinking. It affects your reflexes. It affects everything about your mind.
1: Helena, can I ask you a question? To dangerous to people that are not Helena. Can I ask you a question? That are mentally ill. Okay, we'll say goodbye then. Let's go to Jane in Horseshoe Valley. Jane, go ahead.
4: Um, well, I'm sort of concurring with what Helena said. I haven't got a medical background, but I just come back from the UK, and over in the UK, if students are caught with marijuana or any illicit drug, they would be kicked out of the university, and I think we do have to look closely on its effects on the developing mind, especially up to the age of 25, and I think it could be considered... I know that you know people are saying it's a safe drug, blah, 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 but it can be like a gateway drug for a lot of young children, and like, I'm talking about 19-year-olds, and... That it could definitely cause like problems on the developing mind between that age and twenty five because between that stage your mind is still developing and it can cause I think issues. So and they do have I've got materials from the hospital that says this and and it's, I think we have to look closely into this as much as we want to say it's a safe drug and everything I think we have to look closely on its you know on its effects on the developing minds. Of, okay. Yeah, all right.
1: People. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for your comments. Right. Uh, let's let's hear a rebuttal here from Will in our studio. Well, go look, ahead. I
2: mean, it's not necessarily a rebuttal. I mean, cannabis is not a benign substance. It does have an impact on your body. So do a lot of other substances that we consume every day. Coffee is an addictive uh, substance. Caffeine is an addictive substance. Alcohol is an addictive substance. They all have impacts on your body and, and on your brain. But I think, you know, to go back to something that Mark said, um, cannabis, by comparison to all those other things, is a pretty... Is a, is a substance that does not have those, uh, those uh, negative outcomes uh, through overconsumption and, and, and causing mortality. Um, you know, I think there's an, ac- an adequate uh, and accurate uh, discussion to have around the developing mind and the consumption of cannabis. Um, you know, many people have cited age 25, but, you know, public policy can't be created in a vacuum. Um, If you're going to be able to fight for your country, if you're going to be able to vote uh, in this country, and you're going to be able to consume alcohol, then that's probably around the same age you should be able to make an adult decision as to whether or not you want to consume cannabis uh, with all of the information at hand, including uh, potential um, uh, side effects in terms of the developing mind. But if you were to set cannabis legalization at 25 years old, I suspect the same people who are opposed to it uh, on that age would still be opposed to it for another reason. And if you set it at 25, you've essentially made maintained an illicit market between the ages of 18 and 25, uh, which is not a helpful public policy outcome either.
1: Mark, go ahead. Will
3: said the correct thing there, is that it's impossible to make a a substance legal for people 25 years of age and over. Um, And also, it doesn't serve any purpose. People behave uh, when they hear this new change in the law, like people aren't smoking marijuana now, and they're all about to smoke marijuana. No one new is going to smoke marijuana because it's legal. Everybody who's curious about marijuana today is smoking it and illegally doing so. So we have to consider well what does the law really do? Does when it when it, someone says it's against the law does that actually stop consumption? No it doesn't. It makes no difference on consumption at all. Anybody who's curious about marijuana is almost never deterred by the law. And that would be especially true with young people, uh 18 years of age and under and over. Um, so, I would say that the law doesn't make any difference to consumption. What it does is gives people criminal records, has them inter uh, involved with the police, getting them arrested, getting to court, hiring lawyers, um, embarrassing their family, potentially losing their job because of a criminal act. they can't get bonded. They can't travel to the United States for school. There's all sorts of consequences that are very negative to getting a criminal charge for cannabis. So when people say, oh, I don't like cannabis or I don't agree with cannabis or there's harm to cannabis, and they want to maintain the current prohibition, then they're not being helpful at all. They're just criminalizing a young person, likely, uh, over their choices. And there's no valid public policy reason to do so.
1: And mark, I'm fascinated by what you said there that uh, anybody who's wanted to try it already has, and that legalization won't make a difference so you don't you don't think there are people out there who may say, well, now that it's legal, let me just give it a try because I feel like it's societal uh, it's it's accepted by society
3: Cool people have accepted marijuana for twenty years, so uh, if you don't consider yourself cool, you might Perhaps be inclined to try marijuana because it's legal. But the whole point of marijuana is that it appeals to free thinkers. Marijuana has always been something that free thinkers enjoy and admire, and these free thinkers are the least affected by government dogma. Um, These aren't people that are particularly concerned with the law, that are interested in marijuana. You know, it's commonly associated with creativity, rebelliousness, uh, anti-authority, and free thinking. So, you know, no, definitely if you've been interested in marijuana, you haven't let the law deter you. That's almost unknown.
1: All right, you're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Jane for Libby. We have Will Stewart in studio and Mark Emery on the phone. And Daryl from Toronto on the phone as well. Go ahead, Daryl.
4: Hello, how
1: are you today? Very well. What it's okay. What's on your mind with regards to the marijuana oh, so legislation? Said I said
4: I already have a million comments, but I'll
1: try and focus it in terms of... One of my concerns
4: is, firstly, I mean, the government's been basically, as they said, persecuting people for 90 years. And now, all of a sudden, there's some moral difference in this, where the government is going to become our effective drug dealers and maintain the price, all under the idea of uh, controlling it in terms of age and stuff like that. And one of the things issues I have is I've heard that uh, multinationals for medical purposes and other uh, contents, whatever, they're growing weed basically at a cost of seven cents a gram. And I wanted to find out from the two people there, you know, what, what if that. Is anywhere near correct, and okay. like, well, how does the, how, how can the government come in and try to say we're going to sell it at a certain market value price? when they've spent 90
1: years driving it underground to create a false market now. All right. Um, Will has the answer for you, Daryl. So just l- listen there at home. Thank you.
2: If you can find a licensed federal producer that can grow for $0.07 cents a gram, that is a fantastic investment, and you should go, <laughs> go for that. Uh, the the reality is, um, in the underregulated market, you might be able to have uh, lower costs per gram. I think, you know, I'm not an expert on that. What I can say is the licensed production model that the government has started um, – for medical cannabis for the last number of years, which will be the licensed producers for adult use recreational cannabis uh, going forward, at least in the in the early days, uh, the cost of production is considerably higher than than seven cents a gram, um, mainly because of all the infrastructure that has to go around it the pest controls cuz the lack of uh, ability to use pesticides and things like that security training of staff uh, inventory tracking uh you know you name it it's it's much more expensive uh to to produce it that way I, i'm sure that mark would have a a different view uh on that and and probably some insights into uh into uh, other types of growers i can only comment on the federally licensed ones
1: yes mark go ahead with your perspective on that
2: well
3: we should let the market determine the price for the last 50 years we've let the market determine the price but it's been a prohibitionary market where the all the risk factors of operating outside the law are taken into account and put into the price so the price is much higher than it should be i mean cannabis if it were as legal to grow as cucumbers would be almost as cheap as cucumbers it requires no particularly art to, to grow marijuana it might require a little bit of an art to grow great marijuana but not really okay, good marijuana. And so we should let the market under uh, a free market system determine the rules. And what we would end up doing is importing it all from Colombia on places like that where they can produce cannabis for 15 to 20 cents a gram. In Canada, that's not possible, especially the way the government has ordered these legal producers to grow their marijuana inside buildings, which is very expensive to have a, a big, huge structure that's got all this security, that's using art, you know, artificial lighting, not the sun. The sun is free. But if you have lighting inside a big building, it's going to cost a lot of money, require a tremendous infrastructure. And so these costs that the government is proposing these legal costs of marijuana are the same as the prohibition costs of marijuana so there doesn't seem to be any benefit price wise by letting this new system come into place but the price should plummet over the next couple of years our farmers should be growing it on all their vast you know, fields outside and we should be growing it cheaply that way. Instead, we're growing it in an environmentally wasteful way inside buildings with expensive electricity, with expensive infrastructure and all this security. It's keeping the price high when it doesn't need to be high.
2: I'll agree with Mark on on that. In in places like Washington State, where cannabis is legal for recreational consumption, we've seen the wholesale price of the agriculture commodity, the the green stuff, the wholesale price drop by 80% over the last couple of years. And I would expect to see the same thing here, even with the licensed production model, maybe not 80% down, but certainly a reduction in the wholesale cost or wholesale price of cannabis. Whether that translates into the retail price with government markups, government taxes, excise tax, etc., that's yet to be seen.
1: All right, let's take one more call before we wrap up our topic uh, and switch gears with the the leader of the Green Party, uh, the first Green Party MPP to take a seat in the Ontario legislature. Wayne in Mississauga, go ahead, you're next. Wayne, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, and how are you today? Fine, what would you like to add? I just wanted, uh, I just wanted to uh,
4: make a comment about this gentleman saying coffee, comparing coffee to marijuana. I have friends I work with on marijuana, and my brother smoked marijuana all his life. And he can't go, he can't get through a day without being high all day long. Uh, The friends I used to hang out with, they're the same way. If they don't have a fix, they get depressed. So they got to be high all day long until they go to sleep. So how can marijuana be good for you?
1: Well, I suspect, and Mark, um, you can speak to this more from an expert perspective, but people who would abuse a a substance and have to have it every day, it would not be substance-related. In other words, it could be anything. That's their personality or that's their state of mental health, as opposed to the substance being the issue. Mark, would you agree with that or want to expand on that? Yes,
3: but I would say... I I didn't hear him describe any particular problem. He sounds very judgmental about his friends and family. Well, saying that they're depressed,
1: that they need to have the marijuana because they're depressed
3: well lots of people are depressed and they take all sorts of dangerous drugs for that well that's what i'm trying marijuana to say is yeah. much safer than the choices that are available to people which is prescription drugs uh, self-medicating with alcohol or just being depressed um, which in itself will have repercussions to your social circle and your family so if cannabis keeps you from being depressed if cannabis allows you to function daily uh, normally if ca- then that's a very harmless way of coping with these problems in life. I mean, I don't. I, I went in a U.S. federal prison five years without consuming cannabis, so it's not addictive. I never missed it, I didn't notice it. Um, but it does improve the quality of my life when I am able to use it, and that's true with everybody who uses cannabis. Nobody would use cannabis if it wasn't helpful. It's not an addictive drug like alcohol or coffee where you become habituated to it, regardless of whether you're getting any effect. Um, cannabis does things for the people who consume it. And clearly, it was dealing with someone's depression in this caller's description, which seems fine to me, even if they have to use it all day. Okay. It's harmless. And-
1: uh, thank you for that. Um, well, I'll give you the final comment in terms of where we go from here, what Canada is going to look like with legalized marijuana. What? How do you see things changing or staying the same for the, that the matter? The sky
2: is not going to fall uh, after the proclamation date when stores start to open. I think everyone in the industry has a shared desire to make this market opening uh, smooth. Uh, educate individuals on how to safely consume uh, cannabis. I mean, I think you know the the. United United States has, um, uh, their, 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 um, their driving goals uh, of, uh, of uh, the pursuit of happiness and, and liberty. We in Canada have peace, order, and good government as our driving goals. So I think there will be heavy government regulation uh, in the sector for the foreseeable future. I know, Mark, uh, that's disappointing uh, to Mark. Uh, but that is in the DNA of, of Canada, to regulate consumer goods. I think over time, we'll start to see those regulations start to peel away, as the stigma around the product starts to pe- peel away. Virtually everybody living in Canada Canada now has been part of the prohibition of the last 90-plus years. We don't really know a world where cannabis was legal previously. As we get used to what cannabis looks like in a legal world, I think that we'll realize it's uh, it's not worthy of the stigma that's attached to it right now, and we'll see some relaxing of some of these rules as we go forward.
1: If we didn't get to your call today, please phone back on Free For All Friday when any topic is up for discussion. In the meantime, Mark Emery, thank you for your time.
3: Thank you for having me
1: on. And, Will Stewart, all the best uh, with your business in this transitional time. Thanks so much.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.